people welcome back to the trackway mr gray here doing his thing um how the hell are we doing gray are we good we're doing good we're doing good good right okay uh today we're we're, we're doing a, what we like to call a special um just a one-off it's not a review it's just we have an idea we, we like to expand it and talk upon it and yep. our good friend from gray's green room uh, mr mystic dude uh gave us a question recently and the basic premise behind it is remakes in Star Trek, uh, ideas remade, plot lines remade, taking something that was from before and then trying to remake it or to something different or exactly the same. And there's a few examples of this in Star Trek. Um, and and what Mystic says here is... Well, what, uh, just so we get work straight, it's Mystic Dude's friend, Tony. Ah, it is. That Sorry, is. you're right. Yes. Yep. That submitted uh, this question. We liked it, so we figured we could really expand on it. Yeah, Mr. Tony. Actually, I'm giving Mystic all the credit here. It's actually Tony. I don't have we met Tony? I don't think we have. Have we? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh so Tony, friend of Mystic Dude, actually asked uh, us previously why is Star Trek Strange New Worlds episode Quality of Mercy? That's that's the one the end of season one. Episode nine. Nine, not 10. the end, the, the plum ultimate episode. Um mm-hmm. why was it so good for remaking Star Trek original series Balance of Terror, which I have seen again since. Um yet uh Star Trek into Darkness sorry. So good for remaking Star Trek the original series Balance of Terror episode, yet Star Trek Into Darkness, so bad for remaking the Star Trek Wrath of Khan film. Um, now it is a good point and that's why we're talking about it Gray because there are a few examples of this that we know of uh, in in Star Trek and uh, Tony's actually put probably both of them right there immediately he goes on to say that uh, now I've seen this movie Gray hasn't in his defence Star Trek Into Darkness the Kelvinverse movie uh you know, these movies on their own were good movies if you take them away from previous plots and canon and stuff. So. <laughs> Opinions. I, the only timeline movie of Kelvin that I actually liked was the very first. You haven't seen this. That, you haven't seen Into Darkness, though. I didn't need to see it. I saw clips of it and stuff, and my other buddy who's as big a Star Trek fan as me, he almost threw up when he saw the second movie. You... And, of course, the third one he hated as well, but... Everything I've seen on it, every clip I've seen on it, and I've seen a lot of them. I, it, it, and and, and I'm not the only one. There's a lot of fans out there that aren't overly thrilled with the Kelvin timeline at all. Some of the, some of us wish it would just kind of like go away. Um, and I don't think they really handled the whole Kelvin timeline properly, to be honest with you, with with the exception possibly of the first movie. If you um, haven't seen it, man, I'm sorry. If you haven't seen it, 
it's very, very hard to base an opinion on something unless you've seen it. I think you're letting your bias of the whole Kelvin universe thing tar mm. this all, and which I don't blame you. I'm actually coming at your defence here. I don't blame you for that because I'm not a fan of the Kelvin universe. I'm the because I'm trying to be impartial, be the impartial host that's sitting on the fence. Impartial? I, Since when are we impartial? <laughs> no, I'm impartial. You're. Uh, I have to try and rein you in sometimes, Gray. No, uh, they aren't great movies uh, in the whole Star Trek uh, sphere, the whole Star Trek world. They're not. I'm base. All I'm saying is, if you take them away from canon, if they weren't Star Trek movies, and they were completely separated, a standalone movies, a bit like Discovery or something in the first two seasons, might have been enjoyable. But because they were Star Trek Into Darkness, Star Trek whatever. Uh, it pissed us off because they do what they always do, Gray. They ruin canon. They just take the piss out of Star Trek fans in general. And we, we're not appreciative of that, are we? Um, that movie, Into Darkness, if they taken away from Star Trek, I'm looking outside the Star Trek sphere now, Gray, mm. uh, could have been enjoyable because it had the pew-pew, it had the storyline, the plot, it had the actors in it. But the problem is... I felt a little bit sorry for the actors in this because they were on a hiding to nothing because they knew a lot of fans would just be like, nah, not doing it. They even tried to bring Leonard Nimoy into it, try and bring in some classic yeah. people, and that didn't do much for it. But yeah. if we're kind of, if we backtrack slightly, Grace, so you, like I, have seen the episode A Quality of Mercy, the promoter episode of Strange New Worlds. And you have seen Balance of Terror, which it's based on mm -hmm. from the original series. Now, I've been working my way slowly through uh, original series uh, episodes again because it's been a long time. Um, but Balance of Terror. Yeah, but yeah, well, no, yeah, no complaints so far. A Balance of Terror is uh, an episode I, uh, I watched before I watched the rest because Gray said, you know, watch it. It's really, really good. Now, what I want to ask you, Gray, is. You, your opinion of a quality of mercy on its own, balance of terror on its own, and then comparing the two, did they do a good job as opposed to the Star Trek Into Darkness, where they basically done the Wrath of Khan plot and they didn't do a very good job of it? Well, I mean, the original Balance of Terror episode was probably one of my top three, four episodes ever of the original series. It was really good, which in itself was i'm gonna kind of lightly say a remake of world war ii movies because it came right out of the uh uh the movies where the uh the submarine was uh underwater and the and the uh the uh, ship above is dropping depth charges and they're trying to figure out where the enemy is etc it's an old trope that was used in war movies for years yeah and they just they brought the trope into star trek but they handled it really well um so it was really good. And it, it did a lot of things because at that time, the Brahmins were mysterious. We didn't know who they were, what they looked like, and they were attacking outposts and the whole nine yards. And then, of course, putting the twist in during the episode of the Romulans looking like Vulcans, which automatically made, well, one of the actors in the series of that episode was looking at Spock and, you know, basically accusing him of being the enemy, yeah. which it also is something taking from history because they did a lot of that in World War II movies when it came to Japanese Americans. So mm. um, so they, they moved all these things that happened for real in history and involved them into the story. 
which yeah. I thought was great. And so the whole episode was really, really well done. Um, Quality of Mercy like, was a really good episode. And I can't put it as good as Balance of Terror because why Balance of Terror came first. Yeah. Right? Reasonable. But what I did like was that they actually... I was afraid at first because I was going, like, when I started watching it, I'm so like, oh, don't, don't ruin Balance of Terror. No, please. Um, <laughs> but I was actually happy the way they, they did handle it. Mm. Um, I thought they handled it quite well. They could have, could they have handled it a little bit better? Maybe. Um, but they did handle it pretty good. So in other words, what happened in this episode, Balance of Terror, basically had to happen the way it happened. And, because uh, Pike wanted to change things in order to avoid his ultimate death and the and the death of some of the cadets, or not the death, but to save these other cadets, mm-hmm. he figured that if he does things differently, he can save himself, he can save the cadets, you know, that do end up perishing or, or whatever, in, in, in what he saw in his future. But in so doing that, he messed up a timeline, and so his older self comes through just dressed in the wrath of Khan outfits yeah by the way which i love um right and he comes back and says look he messed it up and through the use of the uh klingon time crystal i think it was yeah and i'll get back to the time crystal because i have a little issue with that but anyway um yeah and so they so forgetting that for the moment he came back and said you you need to like you, you know Things you messed up, so you really got to come back, kind of come back and straighten this thing out. So when he went back and did the episode again, this time it was the Enterprise with Pike because Pike didn't die. He still remained on the Enterprise and and stayed on it for longer than he would have. And Kirk then, of course, did not take over the Enterprise, which then made Pike and crew encounter the Romulus for the first time. And and and, uh, and Kirk was on the Farragut, yeah. And Kirk was on the Farragut, correct? Yeah. So we got to see Kirk for the first time, which was kind of cool, even though it was an alternate timeline. He was Kirk. captain. Was he was captain, but it was a different ship. Yep. He did, he did help in it. But the thing that was really cool is they, had to, they took certain scenes from Balance of Terror and redid them almost word for word, which I thought was great because they, didn't wanna, they wanted to show that it, essentially it was the same thing as much as possible anyway. So they actually took pieces right out of it and just reacted them in Strange New Worlds, which is really cool. Even down to the one where they saw the Romulan for the first time and they hey, look at Spock and we see plagiarism, plagiarism, Gray. And and what I thought was really cool too, as an homage, besides the whole show being an homage to the original series, um, they also used some of the music, which I really like too. So they used some of the music that they used, uh, maybe just slightly changed. Yeah. From the uh, Balance of Terror in this episode. And I just thought, oh, that's great. You know, so it really did. It was nice because I thought it was nostalgic. It was a good tip of the hat to the original series. And basically, um, it's no surprise right now. If you haven't seen the episode, you can hold your ears. But basically, everything got straightened out. And and Pike came to terms with what was going to happen to him eventually. And he's cool with it now. And everything's right in the world again. But it was really, it was a gutsy move to do it because if they had, they could have screwed that up big time. Oh, yeah. And it made a lot of us pretty angry. <laughs> now, to come back to the time crystal, I want, to, I want you to tell me what your problem was with that before I say anything. I'll come to that in a moment. I just want to give my quick uh, opinion on yeah, that yeah. episode versus the two, and then we'll, we'll, we'll tackle sure. the crystal together. Um, 
I'm yeah, I agree with you, Gray. I I saw the in reverse order, although I probably saw Balance of Terror when I was young on a repeat and then forgot about it because mm-hmm. I have the memory of a goldfish. But that episode was fantastic. That could that should have been the series finale because the series finale yeah, was nowhere near yeah. as strong as that. I didn't get it. They were back yeah. to the front, but they had the reasons for it. So watching mm-hmm. this, I loved. They handled it perfectly, like Gray said. If you are going to do, uh, if you're going to remake an idea, a movie, a character, anything that's been done before, and I'm not saying don't do it, I'm just saying do a good job. Have some bloody good writers. Do not make an arse of it. Do I expect it to be perfect? No, I don't expect anything to be perfect, but I want it to be good. And there have been little things we nitpick, like the crystal, for example. Uh, Balance of Terror, when I watched that after, I'm glad I watched in that order, actually, Gray. I'm glad because I was able to compare it from a different lens than, say, yourself. Because um, I watched that and I didn't, I didn't remember a balance of, of terror first time, so I got to watch it uh, afresh and without anything weighing on my opinion or pulling on my opinion. Um, thoroughly enjoyed both episodes. I thought they handled it well. There is a couple of nitpicks we'll come to. The first one being the crystal. Now that bloody crystal. So they kind of have to use that because Discovery in the first season, second season, I can't remember which one it was, they used that that crystal and it's therefore canon and that's the first two seasons which they made an arse of things. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's it's other seasons of Discovery or other series of Star Trek trying to fix the mistakes of Discovery season one and two. So they have to take some things, sometimes unfortunately grey, Mm-hmm. to try and repair it and move on. Because we knew that uh, Pike was going to die in that way, it, it couldn't be undone, or it maybe could in the future via sci-fi. But they had to use it. I rather they didn't use it, but their hands were kind of tied. If they hadn't used yeah. it at all in season one or two, we wouldn't be in this situation. Um, but then again... They couldn't end up using things like the Guardian of Forever because they didn't know what that was. That was Kirk, and that came later. Yeah. So some things are good, stuck. some things are bad with it. Yeah. They are. Um, and I'm glad they've done the Guardian forever. That was That's another example we can talk about. Um, mm-hmm. So I wasn't a fan of them using it, Gray. I wasn't a fan, but I felt their hands were tied, and without it, we wouldn't have had that quality episode. What's your, your thoughts on the crystal? I think that they, like you said, they had to use it. Was I happy they used it? Well, yes and no. Yes, for the fact that they had to to make the the the, the episode at all, right? You yeah. had to come up with something. I I did feel that the that the crystal was a bit of a crutch, um, and that yes. it was like it was a little too easy. Kind of like wow, the crystal and boom, there we go. And like, and where did the Klingons get this bloody crystal from? That's I, never been an older Star Trek. What they, they've got yeah, ten they, crystals? It, it, it never was supposedly on this. I don't forget whether it was. Klingon Prime or the Moon. I think it was the Moon. Anyway, or one of their moons. But anyway, they were they were mining like you know people mine. That's fine. They mine for ores or gems or metals or whatever. Yeah. So that's okay. And and to, and to discover a metal that or a gem or something that does in, interesting properties is kind of cool too. But when you're talking about finding a crystal that, if you come in contact with it, gives you premonitions, you that's, know, or or blink or blinks of the future, stretching sci-fi. Yeah, that's you know. I mean, I can accept it, fine, but it's I don't know, man. That's a and, little and remember bit Janeway. Too... Remember Janeway uh, in, in Endgame, 
she goes to the Klingons as well, and it's not a crystal, but it's a it's a temporal device. So what is it with bloody Klingons and time traveling things? Yeah, no, you know. <laughs> I mean, let, let's 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 step back for a second because you brought up a good point when we're talking about temporal anomalies and all this crap that uh, for time travel. Um, yes, there's been episodes where they involve time travel, and it was they were good. Mm-hmm. Um, other other sci-fi series have done time travel stuff, and they're either good or really bad. Like, um, <laughs> what the car season two? Oh, okay, that's a bad oh, example. Even, of it. Yeah. Even, that's yeah, a that's bad a example. Hor- horrible yeah. example. But the thing that I don't like in in any sci-fi series, whether it be Star Trek or not, is to constantly keep revisiting this time travel thing. I yeah. mean. Really, time travel stories ought to be very sparingly. In other words, you don't do you don't do many of them at all. I mean, you do them, do them well. Are, if exactly, if you are going to do them, there should be like a written law somewhere in the writer's bible that says if you're going to do time travel, it better be. A Was it not in Gene's Bible episode? I'm sure it must have been in well, Gene's it, Bible. It, 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 it might have, been. but the point. It should be there for every science fiction writer. If you're going to do a time travel story, it's create the rules first. That's a good point. Good. And if it, it not only has to be freaking good, but it has to at least have something that's not going to make you go like, oh, that's too easy. Because as soon as you go like, oh, that's too easy, then it's just... Eh. And instead, and, and, we and should the, be saying it's smart and wild. I didn't see that coming. Right, exactly. So the time crystal was more of a... A necessity. Yeah, kind of like, like borderline, that's too easy vehicle. Mm-hmm. Now they took the they took it from there though, and then they made something that was good. So it could have been worse. They could have made a terrible episode off of a crutch. This way, they had a crutch, but at least they made a good episode out of it. So that's fine. Yeah. But uh, you know, and, and let me for one second, even though I know you don't watch the series that much, but for Babylon Five fans out there, that's my second most favorite sci-fi series of all after Trek. And it was interesting because the guy that wrote. 95% of all the episodes who was the creator and he actually holds a world record for that by the way. Well, um he even said that the same thing. He said if you're going to write a time travel story, it's got to be good. And he said that he wrote one and only one in the entire 5 seasons and would never write another one. Good. And 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 the way he did it, the one that he did was perfect don't need anything else now that's the good thing about it and it, not a lot of sci-fi series can say that because they'll end up doing one. Oh, that was great let's do another one. Oh, that was great let's do another one. Oh, that was great let's do another one no mm-hmm. stop <laughs> so so i was really i was really happy that the guy decided you know he knew that they were overused and he said i do one it makes sense for this for the five-year story arc never do another one yeah you know don't and so I, in, in, my, in my perfect world, I wish all sci-fi series would do that. If you're going to do one, do one and only one and make it really good. Yeah, sparingly. Now, right. And in Star Trek history, the only time you really got a time, well, you got it more than once, but the one that really did it well, of course, was with the Guardian of the Universe. And, um, Star Trek 4, time. I like that as well. Yeah, no. but the but the Enterprise did it originally, and that still held up as being one of the best shows episodes yeah, yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was done really, really well, and the and the character, the creature, this machine, the Guardian was pretty neat. Um, the only thing I didn't like about later in Trek fandom was that they started going back to the Guardian in some of the books, 
Now, I didn't read the books, but the point is, is that I know they did it a couple of times and I'm kind of yeah. like, oh, man, come on. You know, if that was if it was going to be that easy, then any one of us could go fly where the Guardian but, is and say, I'll just jump through it and screw up time. Should, should we use that then? Mm -hmm. Should we should we talk about the Guardian forever? We, I have three examples here. We talked about two of them at the start, but that's a nice third one, Gray, that I think is worth mm -hmm. talking about because I think they've done a good job. So season two of Discovery, we get the, the Guardian of Forever episode. Now, again, because my original series memory is nowhere near as good as great. I'd forgotten about this. I'd read about it, so I knew it was coming, but I forgot about it, and I didn't know when it happened in the episode. So when this came about, this, this, this guy, this older guy, just reading the newspaper on a chair on a planet, just random, and there's a door, and there's this whole thing about should Giorgio go through, can she go through, and then he reveals himself as the Guardian of Forever. Now, I, I'm kind of glad sometimes that I forget these things because I always mm -hmm. come across it as, as the, with the kind of the excitement of someone who's never seen it before. Different kind of lens. Mm -hmm. So he announces themselves as the Guardian of Forever and the voice comes on, I am the Guardian Forever. And it's not the old man voice. It's the very yeah. Hollywood operatic kind of voice. And then the door kind of smashes into bits and then reforms as the, the portal. But the portal is obviously looks similar to the original, but it's been obviously updated and revamped. I have no issues with that. Um, and then he's talking about why he's where he is and they explain where he's been all this time. And he's saying, you know, people were trying to use and abuse me, basically. I, I hid myself. I took myself away to this planet um and that i think and tell me if i'm wrong that's where they're drawing from beta canning by going from the books i thought they'd done a cracking job of explaining where the hell he's been why he doesn't help anyone anymore and how they wrapped up the Giorgio thing that's maybe one example well, two what, examples um, for, where it's done well for people that don't know sitting on the edge of forever was the episode in the original series yeah and the, the character and machine was guardian of forever that's where it started yeah um but I never saw that episode you're talking about, so I so I don't I can't really say anything. That's on season um, two of Discovery. What you've seen, have you not? You're not up to date with that. Yeah, I did see season two, but I don't remember the Guardian. You sure? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, because th this was not long before uh, the time travel thing at the end. So go back and watch that, Gray, because I'll it is back, really yeah. enjoyable. That section, you know. I mean, if that's if that's how they described it, that he that he took himself out of action, so to speak. And I guess that make that's good because you really shouldn't be as easy. They send they send Giorgio back to current Trek timelines because that's where where she's supposed to be, rather than in the future. And then the ship goes on without her. So, some of the books that I did read, year this goes back years ago. Um, they said something to the effect that the planet that had the Guardian on it was very well guarded by the Federation, mm -hmm. and there was some kind of treaty that they had with other races even if they weren't really at that you know talking nice nice to these other races yeah and apparent and apparently across the board all the races agreed that they would all never go there because they know that it was almost like uh mutual assured destruction if they go there it could mean they're gone or everybody we've seen gone. that we've seen that before <laughs> exactly but that did make sense because if you think about it that makes a lot of sense yeah. because you don't know if you go through it you change one little thing you can wipe out your entire race, or maybe they don't exist at all, or well, you know, whatever. That that's what I liked about the remake version of 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 that episode. Of that, not an episode. It was that 
theme, that idea. The, re- the episode wasn't remade. It was just that section was taken out and done in this uh, episode of Discovery. And and the fact is, first time around, you 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 the original episode, you you see the portal and it talks and stuff to you. It's like sent to and obviously maybe AI. You don't know. But in the revamped episode in Discovery, what you see, Gray, is the portal's there, but it's disguised itself first and foremost as a door. I love that. And then the AI or the sentience is, I don't think it's AI, I think it's more sentience, is actually a guy separate from the portal. I like that. I like that mm-hmm. modernization, that revamp of it. So that is that is another example, I think, Gray, of a remake actually being done well. We have three examples like we're going to talk about. We talked about one, Quality of Mercy versus Balance of Terror. We think they've done a good job of it. Uh, we've just talked about the, the Guardian of Forever. Uh, I think, and Gray can't remember this, so I'll speak on his behalf, I think they've done a good job of that. Uh, so that's two plus points. When we came on at the start of this, Gray, I think mm-hmm. we're going to be like, stop doing these remakes, you're ruining it. But two, two <laughs> nil up for for the positive, but we have to talk about the one downside, Gray, and I think it's a big one. You haven't seen this. I have. Uh, it's the Star Trek Into Darkness um, Kelvin verse uh, movie. Like, again, sorry to repeat myself, if it had been on its own away from Star Trek, sitting by itself in a parallel universe, you would have went, it's good. But it's not. It's Star Trek. It's canon. We cannot get disappointed with it. I hated the fact that we're going to do this, Gray. We heard rumours beforehand that yeah, uh, Benedict Cumberpatch who's a great actor on his own absolutely brilliant yeah, I've watched him in Sherlock Holmes and, and other things he is brilliant at what he does um, so I don't blame him or any of the actors for this I blame the writers and uh, the showrunners for these things but it wasn't good we knew it was going to be uh, Can. Um, it wasn't a secret he revealed himself as Can. Uh, the way he revealed himself wasn't great. I didn't see the necessity or the re- the reason for it. Um, mm-hmm. Of what you've seen of this, I know you haven't seen the movie, Gray, but you've seen you've read reviews, you've spoke to your friends, you've seen mm-hmm. clips and trailers and whatnot. What was your brief impression of it? What did you think they may have done right or wrong? My impression and and my friend's impression. He's a pretty big fan too, and he saw it. He said that he thought t- revealing the characters being calm was totally out of left field and made absolutely no sense. It's almost kind of like, let's just throw that in there just to wow people. And it was like, that was the only reason that they did it. And yep. that's, that's what, that's how it came off. And if that's the case, man, then that's pretty stupid. Um, yeah. Not to mention, not to mention that you, Ratha Khan is, is the Star Trek movie world, not the original series. So you're already remaking a movie in another movie you don't you didn't really need to do that you know and 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 from what i understand and you saw the movie it does it didn't really further the movie in any way it didn't further the storyline really no no so what so what was the use the only use would have been sensationalism that's it they were just trying to rehash great ideas because they've no hollywood as we know has run out of original ideas so they copy books mm-hmm. now they re they do movies and books and plays and whatnot because they've ran out of ideas so we see the odd gem out there that comes about we're astonished normally so no surprise they've done this here if they had left the revelation that john harrison was the name of the character 
if they left that out as him being can, it may have been actually a lot better. Because on its own, like I say, mm. it was this guy that was a lot stronger. Yes, he could have been engineered. Yes, he was running a mock and and pulling a fast one on on the Enterprise, on Kirk, on the Federation. It would have been it would have been great, but they didn't. They had to use the can thing, which was a cheap, cheap maneuver. It's like the time travel thing. If you're going to do it, do it well. And one of yeah. the best, if not the best, storyline I think in certainly in the movie history of Star Trek is the Wrath of Khan. I mean, I saw it recently at its mm-hmm. anniversary at the cinema. Told Gray about this. Absolutely loved it. I didn't see it when it was. It came out a year before I was born, so I never saw I it at the cinema. He did. <laughs> Gives you a clue, roughly. Um, <laughs> Gray thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The cinema was packed. Everyone was clapping at the end, which I don't normally do. I find very cheesy. But I done it this time because I loved it. And then we done the whole can moment. It was just special. It is pop culture at its best. And they go and ruin this. And it really really pissed me off, Gray, because it could have been a decent movie on its own. I try to not look at the Kelvin. I don't like the Kelvin universe. I don't. Mm-hmm. Because of what it yeah. stands for, what it means, why they done that, um, and and of course we have the rumors now of Star Trek Four. Kelvin, oh, we've heard that for ages, man. That's I know. I, I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but I keep on hearing it's going to happen. No, yes, no, yes, no, yes. It's kind of like I know. would much rather see Strange New Worlds cast in movies. Yeah. They done yeah, it with the next okay. gen, so why can't they do it with their most popular Star Trek? Yeah, but let's not moment. rush it because I want a whole bunch of good episodes and seasons. Oh hell get yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I, no doubt then they're, they're going to make more Kelvin version uni- uh, movies. Um, if I try and detach myself from that, Gray, which mm-hmm. I can do better than you, safe to say, and I'm not blaming you for that. You know, you've got a lot more Star Trek wisdom on me. You know, which is fair enough. But if I if I just try and treat it as is. And they don't reveal the can thing. It's actually kind of, it's got enjoyable moments. Because while I don't like some of the aesthetics of the show, for example, uh, or the show of, of, that, of the Kelvinverse movies, the, the ships I don't like for the most part. You've got yeah. the Enterprise, that, 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 that this is J.J. Abrams' words himself. He wanted to give it a hot rod vibe. I'm sorry, mate. It's the bloody Enterprise. It's not your sports <laughs> car, mate. What are you doing? Like you try to make it, but it's much bigger than the original Enterprise, and it completely all, throws it, canning it, out. First of all, if he was going to make an original or make it more original, he didn't. He didn't really travel too far away from the original design. But what he did do with the design, bulk up and beef up, really messed it up because it looks like the nacelles are pumped full of air, and all of a sudden you have these <laughs> fat nacelles, and I'm like. This is just looks horrible. What Hot the, rods with the fins, doing? the fins on the back as well. Yeah, I mean, come, yeah, exactly. What are you doing, Mark? Uh. And and the and the phasers of it as well. I mean, I think this comes from the original series a little bit. Um, mm. Oh no, does it actually? The, the the whole the whole I like a phaser beam to be a beam and not like the right. the, low, the the start of the pulse phaser which we get uh, yeah. and the, on the defined. So you're getting this little... It's more Star Wars, the phasers on the... the and they're little turrets rather than strips. I hated that. It just looked... Yeah, yeah. Like, but saying Everybody that... Everybody loved to see the phaser coming like right out of one point or whatever. Yeah, and it the, was more practical. Yeah. And the it? phasers... I, I got to give credit to when they, when they did Star Trek The Next Generation. Then they had the phasers that were basically on a traveling rack around the, around the saucer section. Yeah. So essentially, this, the... 
it can follow around the rim and shoot in any direction. That was a nice little touch. And ever since then, all the starships, you know, beyond that point, all kept do that. it. It had, had the original Enterprise ever had the no. uh, Kelvin verse? No, no, it didn't. It didn't. So no. um, that's why even Star, Star Trek Enterprise, the series, once they got their phase cannons, was a bloody beam. Mm-hmm. Just leave it like it wasn't on the strip because they just started off. But uh, to, be, it, to be honest with you, I believe the reason why the, the, the original series didn't, didn't fire from other areas around the saucer was the usual reason. Back oh, then, it would have cost too much. Yeah, so they had it firing from one area all the time, like a forward view of it just going. Which we can let them all for, you know. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So while they we we didn't like that, I I can't remember what it was called. It was the uh, you've seen pictures of this gray, but because you haven't seen it, the the one of the um, admirals in it, the guy, oh, what's his name that played RoboCop. He was in it. Oh, uh, uh, Peter Weller? Yeah, he was in it. Who I love as an actor. He's very yeah. good at certain yeah. roles. And he was good in this, standalone. For, you know, it was, he was good. Good performance. He's the bad guy that's chasing after Kirk in a bloody black ops ship that is a dreadnought, which is huge. Again, if you step away from Star Trek, you look at this thing and go, wow. I mean, I love starships. This thing was a beast. This is like if, if, if Starfleet was proper military, this is what they would have. The massive nacelles. It was faster. It was black to generally blend in more. It was more armoured, more power, everything. It was like a, a blown-up Defiant, essentially. But again, right. because it's Star Trek, because we don't believe in that, Starfleet's not about that, I didn't like that. Defiant was an exception later on because we knew why that came about. And as you see right. here, he's my baby. Um, and that's my second favourite ship over there, but that's for another episode. Uh, but you've seen this ship, haven't you, Gray? The Dreadnought that the, the Admiral well, was in. What did you think? The Dreadnought actually goes back a long way because I think even after uh, TOS ended, they were already talking about that there's a Dreadnought in the service because they have to have some kind of a battleship or whatever. Yeah. And if I remember and if I remember right, I thought the original dreadnought design was looked somewhat like the Enterprise, but it had four nacelles, two on the top, two on the bottom. Um and it was and it was sleeker and it was always, you know, known to have more armaments on it and, you know, thicker yeah. armor. But the dreadnought has concept or whatever, I think has changed somewhat over the years. But essentially it's a tougher armor plated, you know, yeah. Faster, more weapons, blah blah blah. Just like you would think a battleship should have. Yeah. I mean, then they, in Star Trek again, this goes back to cost again. They never really talked about uh, uh, what you want call it, fighter ships or escort ships or attack ships that come out of a larger ship, which is normal, like on aircraft carriers and stuff, right? The jets yeah. come out. They. Um, you only started seeing that uh, in I think it was Discovery season two, out of the Enterprise, Pike's yeah. Enterprise. Where you did see the fighters come out, uh, whether they be manned or robotic, because it makes sense. And this, and the Enterprise and, Z is supposed to have that as well, but you never see it. Right, right. And and technically in canon, the original series Enterprise could do that too, but again, you never saw that, and that was because of cost, etc. Okay. So when the Defiant came out, it made sense because you had the Dominion War. They needed to have something because, like it or not, there's a war going on. So no, when the but when it came from, around, when it came Dominion from, Greg, came around, it was a Borg thing, wasn't it? So 
Right. They started changing their ways when the when the Borg was discovered, and they started and that's why I like that idea. It's acceptable. Right. It makes sense. Right. And when the Dominion War came around, they also said, "Oh, you know, now we got this going on. You know, yeah. we have to have something." Did, so it made it made more sense. Did you like that dreadnought? And did you? Yeah, you must have seen pictures or sections of it from Star Trek yeah. Into Darkness. Yeah. So did you like it? Or are you like me, like standalone on its own? It looked impressive, but there is no need for it in Star Trek except like this yeah. time and period. Not right. I wouldn't have. I would. I would only expect to see a ship like that if, if again it was Dominion War or Borg thing or something like that. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna bring these things out. Yeah. The other thing that I always thought was a little. Well, again, it could have been cost, right? Uh, a little odd was in Deep Space Nine, they had the Defiant, but you never saw more than one Defiant most of the time. You only made one. Be... Exactly. And I'm like, if you really want to nitpick, that's a little unrealistic. You're going to build one ship like that, and that's all you need? Well, it's, a, it's a bit silly because my Chief Miles O'Brien manages to work out all the kinks and the problems conveniently that the Defiant has, so let's make more of them. And they did. They did make more of them. They made a couple more yeah. after, like the Sao Paulo when the Defiant was blown up uh, and renamed it Defiant, which I thought was a nice classy touch. Uh, and But then again, this is going to be, we're talking about our Starships episode, this will be a lengthy one because there's things about that, the Defiant that I like and dislike and how they approached it. It was in First Contact and then it conveniently there was no mention of it in DS9 afterwards. Little nitpicks like that all the way through. Yeah. But essentially, uh, is it safe to say, Gray, that we don't mind remakes and uh, new, uh, old ideas being used again if they do a, a brilliant job on it? They have to do a really good job in it. And out of a score of three there, for the positive, it's actually 2-1 up, in my opinion. Uh, the first two examples were good. The last one was a bad example. There are probably more examples out there, but we were just covering three of them. What, what's your thoughts on that, Gray? Do you remember um, the Deep Space Nine episode where they went back in time? I forget how that they did that. And they, they visited the the uh, Enterprise during the Tribbles. I love that. And they done that so well. That was good. That was really but, but good. But that wasn't a remake. That was just... No. Yeah, it was not a remake. It was but what, going back. they were. They were on the outskirts looking travel. in as to what was happening. So everything still happened the way it happened, but now on the peripheral were the members of Deep Space Nine. See, and now that, they were reacting. Putting that together was genius. See the guys that put that together. The way they cut that. The way they wrote it. Wow, yeah. that wouldn't have been easy. You know, to have them. No, kind, and, it looked no. like they were interacting with Kirk and, and Spock and yeah. Bones, and 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 the, but they weren't. But it looked like they were. They went back a lot of times if when they have the original negatives, they went back to the original negatives of the film so that they could bring it back looking good. Um, you know, not like not like the remaster now that all look good, but then it wasn't really a remaster episode. They actually brought got they actually developed a whole from the negative a whole new reel of film. Oh wow. And then they and then they digitized it and then they did their magic or whatever. That wouldn't have been cheap. I love that. That yeah. that was that was brilliant. It's so it isn't a remake, but it is going back in time. It's a time travel episode. It's using mm -hmm. an old concept. It tribbles are in it again. They done that well. So there is evidence of Star Trek of them doing it well. But there is also evidence of them not doing it well. And more often than not, it tends to come from Kelvin verse movies or the new series that have got out, like uh, Discovery, who have just made an arse of it. Uh, not always, but sometimes they have. And then it ripples through. 
to future episodes and seasons and series great like the time crystal you have to use these things because they happened one of the first episodes of strange new worlds was or it might have been the very first one first one or two where uh pike's on the planet and he has to reveal the enterprise to them because that this whole org this whole planet had saw the fallout of season two of discovery uh, the explosions and right. stuff, and antimatter explosions in space, and they, they, they started reversing the technology, reverse engineering the technology. So they're kind of their hands are tied behind their back, but they make a good job of it. So I'd like yeah. to say to Star Trek writers, please think very carefully when you make these stories and these plot lines, because your future writers and creators may hate you uh, for a long time and have to clean up your mess. <laughs> Yeah. Um, plus, you want to see. Plus, you want to see more originality. It's okay. Once yes. In a blue blue moon, but keep, stick with the originality and so forth. And don't do I mean, time we, travel for a long time, please. Right. And and speaking of revisiting, people have different opinions of how they, well, if you want to call it a revisit of the Gorn. I love because, that. Yes. Because revisit. technically, if depending how strict you want to be, the Gorn was never seen until Kirk saw them in yeah. that episode. But they've stretched this a little bit now with Pike oh, because with unbreaking point. Well, the, the thing that, that I like, the thing that I did like about it is okay, I can I can accept the fact that you know about the Gorn, but you haven't seen him, and that there could be a survivor of the Gorn, like uh, I forgot the character's name, um, and they never really saw them. They the Soong the the lady, I can't remember her yeah, first I, name. Yeah, I think, yeah. And so they, she, so she heard the clicking and the noises that they make. And why do they have to have clicking for every alien? That's another thing. Um, <laughs> so okay, that's cool. I can accept that. But then they started stretching it by showing younger Gorn mm. or juvenile Gorn or baby Gorns. So technically, they're going to say, okay, so no one's ever seen the adult Gorn. I don't know, man. And and they're talking about bringing the Gorn in some more in the second season. And I'm just going like. The more and more you do that, not saying that it's, it's not a good episode. There were some good, ep- they were good episodes, okay. But the more and more you do that, the more you're just basically saying that Kirk wasn't the first one to see it, and yet he was in canon. So, how many times has canon been stretched one. in Star Trek, man? Too many times. Yeah, but this is right. But this is really stretching it. Oh more yeah, more. we've had a breaking point. Eventually, yeah. that rubber band's going to break, and you're just going to go, wow, okay, we're just going to be a mess. And then, yeah. yeah. Then they got to sit there and figure out. Well, how do we how do we write an episode where Kirk wasn't the one that first saw it? I mean, you know, it's going to start getting rough. If they yeah. if, if they not shown us what they actually look like, but or maybe they showed us what they look like, but the only people that saw them were the people that actually died. So really, isn't right. an account of them? Which what which they were kind of doing at first, because they they showed like the people from the planet she was on that she escaped yeah. uh, alive. And so they did show them kind of like and you would see little things in the shadows and they would get beaten up and killed and all that. And that was all good. So I'm going like, oh, that's a good way not to see the Gorn. Yeah. You know, after when you that. did start seeing them, even if they were juveniles. OK. Wow, man, you're I, I don't know. How are they going to write the episodes in the second season involve the Gorn again? If you can't see what the, you know, it's just, it's I don't know. It's kind of disappointing. make of it. It's kind of disappointing if we end up seeing the Gorn again. You should have just done it that one time and then let, let it be because it all it just about worked to no more. So just, please do not rip the arse out of it. 
leave it be and, and we move on. Um, by, the, by, the, by the way, what they should have done as an Easter egg is when they were talking about the Gorn in uh, Pike's ready room, in the background, they should have had the head of the Gorn they used in the TOS episode on the shelf. <laughs> oh, instead of the one that they did. Yeah, no, let's not do that. That would have been hilarious that, if you that, saw that. That's the equivalent of like, taking, what? you know, these mascots that you get at sports games, that's the equivalent of yeah. taking one of their hats off of their helmets and just sticking exactly. there. That's how bad it was. Don't get me started in that, Gray. I, I don't blame <laughs> them. I don't blame them, but it was god-awful. Well, um, it, looked good. it looked good from the neck down. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, I was convinced. No. Yeah, yeah, it was a mascot in there for sure. Um, so, I mean, basically, I think summing up, Gray, we'll, we'll wrap up there. Um, that mm-hmm. you know, remakes to answer Tony's question there, kind of indirectly, um, remakes can be done well um, in Star Trek. Often, there's we've proved we're proving there's many examples, but mm-hmm. we've also proven once or twice where it's been just shit. And mm-hmm. that is purely on the new generation of writers that weren't doing a great job of Star Trek writing or canon. Uh, so please, please think very carefully about what you're doing writing-wise because we were a bit of a stickler for canon in Star Trek. Um, but no, we thank Tony for that question. Uh, what we'll do is we'll, we'll wrap up here, great, and then we'll come back for a review on Thursday or Friday uh, of the next episode of uh, Lord X and, and see how we got on. So I thank you, Mr. Gray, for your time uh, and say goodbye to the people and we will catch you next time. See you later, guys. Long and prosper. Bye-bye.